came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Every time that flag's unfurled, they come to America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here. Sunday morning. We have one great show for you today. We have Bob Yananaway of Goya Foods, an international company. What's going on with all these companies that all of a sudden have turned woke? Bill Parker, 30 years in the Navy. An update on the Navy of today. Dr. Peter Michalos, how do we live longer? Mario Economo for what's going on in Europe. John Chatches, update on San Francisco. And let's start the show with Roger Stone on an update what does he think of what's going on with President Trump? We now have absolute stone-cold truth, proof, I should say, that Joe Biden and his son each took a $5 million bribe uh, in order to get a prosecutor who was hot on Hunter Biden's trail in Ukraine fired. And who gets indicted? Who gets impeached? Not Joe Biden. They go out and try to take out Donald Trump based on some arcane construction regarding his handling of presidential documents. I mean, uh, this has become a banana republic. And in fact, we have a special counsel who has been appointed to investigate Hunter Biden uh, and Joe Biden and Joe Joe Biden's handling of, of classified and top secret documents. We've heard not a word from that special counsel. Whenever anybody went to the grand jury regarding Donald Trump and his disposition and handling of documents. It was leaked all over the media, but we've heard not a peep about the alleged investigation into Joe Biden. All this tells me is Donald Trump remains an existential threat to the established order, particularly uh, an awakened Donald Trump, who, while he did great things in his first term, would really clean house and bring fundamental reform to the U.S. government in a second term. And they are petrified about running against him again. So they can't beat him at the ballot box. They now seek to beat him through lawfare, the illegitimate and and political use of the judicial system to take out a, you know, the leading Republican candidate for president. This is something you would expect to see in communist Cuba or in China, but not in the United States. I wish we could have the Supreme Court or somebody close to God say, you know, Why don't we all calm down? Let's have an election. Let's see who the American people want for president. Uh, You know, I don't I'm just pondering what you say, John. You're absolutely right. But I think they fear the American people. I mean, that that's the irony. I hope you're right. In other words, I hope this whole thing gets short circuited to the U.S. Supreme Court. On the other hand, I'd like to see, you know, there are many cases I thought they should have taken up in the last term. They didn't. Maybe this potato is too hot for them as well. But the idea that Joe Biden can indict his leading opponent seems un-American to me. And traditionally, the FBI had a rule uh, they can't do anything. I forget, it was 90 days before an election or or six months before an election or something like that. 90 days, I think it is. And all of a sudden, 
you know, everything, you know, it's up to grabs. Here's the one thing I do know, and I've known Donald Trump for 44 years. Uh, anyone who thinks that he is phased should know that right now he's out playing 18 holes of golf. Uh, he's not going to quit his campaign. He is not going to give up. He's not going to throw in the towel. Uh, I spoke to him last night. He, he is resolute. He's angry, which is fair. I'd be angry, too, if I were him. But he's not hysterical. He's not unhinged. He doesn't even sound to me like a man under pressure. Uh, he actually was in a pretty good mood, but I think he's extremely resolute. Uh, and it's counterintuitive, but I think what you're going to see in the polls uh, – is a big bounce in his support among Republicans. It strengthens his hand in terms of being nominated. And I don't think it's going to have the negative effect in the general election polls that perhaps the Democrats are hoping. In fact, the fact that Trump leads Biden right now in almost every respected national poll is uh, a reflection of the fact that uh, that Trump is ahead. And I think that panics the, the deep state. You're going to be on on WABC and three o'clock on Sunday, and you're going to have some more revelations and some more bombshells. Is that correct? That is absolutely. We're going to break this down for the for the people on my show, uh, which is I'm most grateful for at WABC three o'clock this Sunday. I'm going to take some calls. You're not going to want to miss it. And our new show at three o'clock this afternoon, Roger Stone, and he's going to have. President Donald J. Trump as his first interview. We continue with Common Sense Conversation on the Cats Roundtable. With us today is Bob Unanaway. Uh, he is the CEO of Goya Foods, a worldwide food company. Uh, Bob Unanaway, welcome to uh, WABC. How are you today? Great, John. You're the best. You know, have done such a great job with WABC and all your business. And uh, you're just a great uh, American. Now, Bob, uh, you are a CEO of a very big company. You're one of the, one of the largest or maybe the largest uh, uh, Latino or Hispanic uh, uh, food companies in the world. And uh, business worldwide, you see it in the United States, you see it in Europe, you see it in Central America, South America. Give us the pulse of what's going on now. We have grown over the years. We started in 1936 on Dwayne Street in Manhattan. Uh, and so we're 87 years old, but we're still a family company. I started, I worked when I was 10 years old, not, not full time on breaks. I worked on a production line. I've loaded trucks. Uh, you know, so I've lived the business from the ground up and worked together with so many great people over the years. And what's happening is, a lot of these big companies, uh, which we call these these woke companies, because you know a lot of these funds that are the owners of these big companies, they put in place board members that have no clue, no attachment. They don't have an emotional attachment to the company, what their goals are, and so these board members you know are so far attached from the company that they're focused on other things. They're focused on identity. For example, there's, we are in this world, you know, God created us, man and woman, and we all want to have an identity. I want to identify as this, as that. You know, we have flags for everything. Believe it or not, now there's a map flag. Now, this is going to be shocking, 
and I just learned about this the other day, but MAP is a minor attracted person. In other words, it's a pedophile. And they have a, a flag that's, you know, uh, multicolored, light, you know, light colors. And, but they want to have their identity. And we're so busy focusing on ourselves instead of each other. You know, kids are committing suicide. You know, the mental health of our children. I have 14 grandchildren myself out of six children. And people are focused too much on themselves. All we have to do is care about the other person and we can save a life. A life. But all this focus on ourselves, on our identity. I identify as this. I, we've lost, we've run out of letters in the alphabet to the, for an acronyms of all these identities that we are. And then we've gone, so we've run out of letters. So now we go to the plus sign, the minus sign, divided, multiplied by. You know, we have, what is it, 8 billion people on the planet? Uh, we're going to have 8 billion identities. Yes, God created each of us in our own identity. But it doesn't mean that we have to r- walk around with a flag and say, we're a more important, my identity is more important than yours. But these companies buy into this. We have to cater to this selfish uh, identity thing where we're only focused on ourselves and, and instead of on each other. If we focus on each other then you know, and move closer to God, then it's going to be a better world. But as long as we focus on ourselves, it's going to be we're going to be hating, we're going to be angry, we're going to be divided. We need to get together love and build. I started to feel a little bit better of what happened in Washington the last couple of weeks. Uh, There's a change in the White House a little bit, uh, and there's a new chief of staff, and and, uh, there seems to be a little bit of a better direction where uh, uh, President Biden has made a deal with uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, and uh, the middle of the road people won. The extreme left was very angry. The extreme right was very angry, but the middle of the road people, you know, we they passed a budget. It wasn't perfect, but it was done. Uh, what say you about that? I mean, does it? Do you think we make maybe we're making a little bit of progress? I hope so because you know, this administration has only always focused. What what President Biden said was, we're going to unify. And he's done everything but unified. He's vilified. Vilified is not unified. Vilified is put one group against the other. And we've catered to, the thing is, we were bending over backwards. We have to be almost contortionist to bend over backwards to please this group or that group. You know, one group and one life isn't more important than the other. We have to stop this partisanship. We have to be one nation under God where all of us have values, not one person having no, more I value agree. than the other. I agree 100%. And some cof- companies that have tried, uh, that, uh, that, that surrendered to uh, uh, extreme minorities have suffered. Uh, you know, companies like, uh, uh, who, who was it? Uh, Budweiser. The, the stock, $27 billion. Yes, and, and Target uh, dropped $15 billion because they have diversity managers that the boards hire. And, you know, because they, we feel we have to cater to all these groups. Instead of 
having a business where the, the idea is that, and all these people who have 401ks, it's not the company, it's not the management, it's not the board. The people who lose are the people that own the 401ks that have to retire. Now they've got to go back because they've, been, they've got a shellacking that they, they have to go back and, and, and rebuild because these companies have, have gone woke. The, the L.A. Dodgers... I couldn't believe that. We, we talked uh, about it the other day. They, indulgence. Yeah, they, the L.A. Dodgers, uh, I used to call them the Brooklyn Dodgers, the L.A. Dodgers as, uh, gave support and gave uh, accolades to the people that were anti-Catholic. How could they do that? Well, these are people pole dancing on the, cruci- on the cross with a, 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 a guy on the cross they're pole dancing on the on the thing with with their legs wrapped around their their heads and just disgusting stuff. And you know, in sisters of Our Lady, uh, sisters of perpetual indulgence. Indulgence is a sin, and pride is a sin. Everyone wants to be pride to have their identity above everyone else. If you're not pride, if you don't have pride, what are you embarrassed or ashamed? You know, we we are all equal. My father always told me. Don't look up at anyone. Don't look down at anyone. Let's look at each other straight on. We have to respect each other and love each other. And what this is an attack. What all this stuff is also is an attack on the children. We're exposing the children at such a young age to this craziness. It's not that we we don't value each other, but we're we're putting we're valuing this. Uh, unacceptable uh, behavior. And the other it's, thing it's I want to say, we only got a, about a minute or so left. Uh, the other thing I want to say is some of these uh, uh, cultural uh, people are trying to change our way of life, the cultural, they go and they shake down the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And, and the Fortune 500 companies write checks for $10 million. I mean, I, I don't understand how dumb that could be. Well, you know, you have to have courage, John. You have to stand for your values. But the, these, you know, the people who are running these companies, they're appointed by a board. The board doesn't, you know, they have a different agenda. When I was, uh, when Goya was boycotted back in 2020, um, we, uh, Laura Ingram, she asked me, are you going to apologize? I said, hell no. You know, first you apologize and then you're fired. You have to have, and I used this word the other day, you have to cojones, you have to have courage to stand up and, hey, if they were going to fire me, so be it. Well, I think everybody went to support Goya Foods. I know uh, that our stores went and uh, they ordered double double what they usually order. The customers bought double what they usually order. And Goya was the winner because you have fine quality products and you had the courage to stand up. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit, I said, I used blessed and President Trump in the same sentence because we were there to give away food. And uh, I was there to be appointed a commissioner on the White House Commission on Hispanic Prosperity. But we were there to do good, give away food. And I said we were blessed. And, you know, I believe that the Holy Spirit, first of all, put that word on my lips. But then later, good people like yourselves, a lot of people came to support us because we were only trying to do good. We were trying to deliver food in a time where there was no food. 
Bob Unanaway, we are out of time. I want to thank you for taking the time to go on our uh, WABC and 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 give us the pulse of what's going on worldwide, and we're going to catch up with you again real soon. John, thank you for your voice and your truth, and and for you know your 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 uh, patriotism and courage. God bless. God bless America. Thank yep. you so much. You're listening to a show focused on finding solutions. It's the Cats Roundtable. This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. To a show focused on finding solutions. It's the Cats Roundtable. With us this morning is uh, Dr. William J. Parker. Uh, he was 30 years in the Navy, CEO of Parker Maritime Technologies, and the former CEO of the East-West Institute that tried to, to have peace in the, in the world. Dr. Parker, there's so many things happening in the world right now. Uh, what are you worried about the most? Wow. Um, maybe I am worried the most about the United States' uh, uh, situation in the world, how we're looked at right now. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think we're looked at uh, from a, from a uh, vision of strength. And that concerns me. I look at uh, what's going on uh, with the Russians. I look at what's going on with the Chinese and the Chinese in, uh, in South America, potentially Chinese in, in Cuba. These things concern me quite a bit. They're, they're trying to outmaneuver us in so many ways. And I don't forget the Chinese government. And, uh, you know, when I talk about Chinese, I don't talk about Chinese people are very nice people. I try to talk about the Chinese government that has uh, possibly 100 million uh, people uh, in the Communist Party that are, are, are dispatched all over the world to do the doing of the Chinese government. John, I think you just hit it right on the nose. There, there's a lot, most probably, uh, a really good Chinese people. But the reality is that the Chinese Communist Party is a major threat to the United States. We've been talking about this for 15, 20 years now, you and I. And, and in fact, when you go back and look at the fact of the, the, the U.S. Navy, that was the largest Navy in the world, we said, if we don't change this now, we're going to have we're going to have issues. And we didn't change it. We didn't start building ships. And now we're the second largest Navy in the world. Um, and their technology is significant, most of which was taken by from us. So so I worry about these things. I worry about what it looked like when we left Afghanistan. I worry about what it looks like when, uh, they took, when the Saudis when we, when, when, when we when we moved out of Afghanistan, the, the Chinese took over almost the, the biggest base we ever had in Afghanistan. That was uh, only a couple hundred miles off their border. That, that's exactly right, and 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 took it over. Uh, and oh, by the way, we left billions and billions of, uh, of dollars of equipment there, and we left some high tech equipment there as well. Um, we will see that come back on the battlefield again, and I think we will end up fighting our own equipment in the future. So that it was a huge mistake the way we left Afghanistan. And if we're not careful, and I don't think we are being, 
uh, we're going to be dealing with a much closer neighbors in South America. And this this idea of uh, of Cuba, it could be one of two things. It could be uh, it could be an administration that says, look, we're going to solve this problem uh, like Kennedy did. Um, which, by the way, you're not going to get a second scenario like that because everybody else read uh, the, well, the scenario in the Kennedy case as well. I understand a couple of days ago the Wall Street Journal ran that the Chinese are trying to move uh, bases or something into, into uh, Cuba. And my reading of it is uh, maybe it's a, they're trying to do it in, move them in there to uh, be able for uh, maybe Washington to solve the problem to make the current the current White House heroes oh look we solved the, the Cuban missile crisis again yeah I think um, you know when you went back and looked at the last couple of joint chiefs of staff and when they were asked what their biggest concern was they said it was the economy uh, and and we have a major problem there right now as well uh, that, that is the economy is a national security issue having the right people in place to look down range and say, we can't allow um, countries like China into uh, South America um, in, in the way that they're rolling in right now with, uh, with weapons, with spies. We can't allow balloons to fly over our country and hover over our most sensitive areas, et cetera. So there's a lot of things I'm concerned about. But from the national security perspective, I would say um, the economy, I would say the uh, the lack of uh, flow of fuel. I would say our very big mistake of um, of uh, downsizing the strategic reserve, and now we haven't uh, bought back and then brought that strategic reserve of oil back up to the level it's supposed to be. These are all major concerns, and it's all happening simultaneously. The winners of this whole thing, the winners of all of these scenarios, when you go back and look at it either the Chinese or India. Um, Russia's a big loser on this thing, and our taxpayers are a big loser on this. Any update on Ukraine or, uh, or, or you know, which side do you believe more? Um, uh, I, I would like to believe that, um, that the Ukrainian uh, people want to be, um, I mean, remember, there's a reason that we did not uh, bring them into NATO when we did, because they hadn't met the human rights issues. They hadn't met in, in many of the other issues. Um, uh, the Russians uh, certainly felt threatened. Uh, and, and this is another one of these self-inflicted gunshot ones. Are you spinning up threats? Um, by by putting more weapons in right next to the border of another country, um, potentially. On the other side of it is uh, Crimea happened under Obama. Trump said, don't even think about it. And they didn't cross the border and they waited until Biden came in and then they uh, and then they rolled into into Ukraine. So I think the bigger threat there is the fact that we didn't stop it in the first place. Uh, nobody's talking about uh, nobody's talking about North Korea right now, but the the, uh, the missile tests there are unprecedented. The level of, of tests, I believe that they will do another nuclear test sometime this year, underground test. Um, they now have the ICBM capability, that's an intercontinental ballistic missile capability, to reach the United States. Um, they have lots of queuing going on now. They have uh, balloons. They're working with the Chinese, so they have plenty of balloons that are doing sensing over the United States. Uh, we have more and more ships we're seeing. Remember, you got 100,000 commercial ships in the world right now as well. 
Thank you for an update, uh, uh, Bill Parker, and uh, thank you for, you know, you served 30 years in the Navy and uh, protected our country, and thank you for for keeping, uh, speaking out for our country continuously, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Sounds great, John. Thank you very much. Great to be back on your show. If you want to hear the full interview, go to WABCRadio.com. They will be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. And we continue with the Cats Roundtable with truth, justice, and the American way, because that's what our heart believes in. With us today is Mario Economo, a former banker in New York, London, Zurich. And to give us an update, what the heck is going on in Europe? Uh, Mario, give us an update. Yes, good morning, Cats Roundtable. Let's just start off with a correction. Last week we mentioned about Turkey's and their appointment of Mr. Suspected appointment of Mr. Kalin as the Foreign uh, Minister of Turkey. That, in fact, is not true. He's actually going to be the head of the Intelligence Service, and the head of the in- Intelligence Service is actually going to be the new Foreign Minister, a gentleman by the name of Hakan Fidan. He's a very interesting person himself as well, speaks English fluently, spent time in the U.S. He's a former soldier, former academic, uh, former head of the Intelligence service, and I sus- and he's very close to Mr. President Erdogan. I suspect he's also been picked because he obviously knows a lot of things uh, from the intelligence world, and one of the things that's going to be discussed at the upcoming NATO conference later this summer is going to be the discussion about admitting Sweden to NATO, and who better than this gentleman to actually be part of that whole discussion and negotiation, given he actually has, I suspect, first-hand knowledge of the uh, terrorists the Turkey claims Sweden is harboring the Kurdish terrorists, uh, and therefore they want those people extradited to Turkey before Turkey agrees to allowing Sweden into NATO. Let's roll over to Europe. The Eurozone now is actually in a technical recession that's defined by two quarters of contraction, economic contraction. Although the contraction is very mild, uh, it's still there. The ECB has announced, and uh, rather it's suspected that the ECB will go ahead and announce an increase in interest rates at its next meeting, and they will most likely also stick to their guns and continue to increase interest rates even at the July meeting. That surprises many people, given that the Eurozone's in a technical recession, that the European Central Bank would actually go ahead and continue to increase uh, interest rates. Another thing that's come out of Europe, which is interesting, has to do with the migration or immigration uh, issue. They've now reached an agreement in the uh, European Union. Countries that do not accept their allocation of migrants, for example, Poland and Hungary do not want any migrants, they're going to have to pay 20,000 euros per person that they do not accept the allocation of. And they're actually going to be... Does that come down to a fair square and square deal? Uh, I suspect uh, Poland and Hungary will gladly pay those amounts because they've been very adamant about not wanting to accept any migrants or immigrants uh, coming from Asia, the Middle East, uh, and or Africa. There's another thing as well. They've revamped the discussion with respect to asylum seekers, and they've put everything now on a fast track, which means that before these uh, asylum seeker requests could take years, they're now going to limit them to just under six months. And if people are not allowed to gain asylum, they are going to be actually shipped back to the countries they come from. The only problem I see with that is we know from experience that Greece has tried to ship uh, some uh, Pakistani citizens back to Pakistan, but Pakistan refused to accept them. So they ended up having to bring the airplane back to Greece in order to figure out what the next steps would be. Wow. What else? Is the economy getting any better or just just lingering? 
Well, I mean, it's not a matter of getting any better or any worse. The reality is this war that's going on in the Ukraine needs to stop. Short of that happening, we are going to continue to see Europe suffer. Everybody's concerned about what the energy prices are going to be in the second half of this year, and especially going into next winter, given that the previous winter was very mild. Uh, this could see then prices go up. We've seen what the Saudis are doing with respect to the, to the number of barrels in the market, or rather they're limiting of them. So I think that it's very difficult to say. The growth rates that everybody's discussing and projecting are nothing spectacular. Obviously, they're better than any type of a contraction, but now given Europe's in a technical recession, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the year plays out. There are a couple of things we should touch on before we close today, and they have to do with the Ukraine. Germany's foreign minister had announced, not this previous week, but the week before, that it's, very, uh, that it's not possible for a country that's in the middle of a war to actually join NATO. And obviously, this means that at the next NATO summit that's coming up, it will be very difficult, notwithstanding the fact that discussions were, were undertaken in the past that said Ukraine would be applying for membership into NATO at this upcoming NATO summit, that most likely this will now not be happening. Uh, we also know that the British foreign minister has said that targets within Russia now are legitimate for the Ukraine to hit. This is an interesting statement, not because uh, uh, Russia's uh, Medvedev has said that this now makes Britain's leadership legitimate targets as well, but because the British are saying that they believe Ukraine should be allowed to hit within Russia, but we know the United States has been adamant about saying that there are to be no attacks from the Ukraine into Russia. So here you have two NATO allies, both pulling in a different direction. And this is another reason why I don't think these types of uh, arrangements that NATO currently has are going to work in the long run. Understood. Well, Mario, thank you very much for giving us an update on what's going on in Europe, and we'll talk to you again next week. We have real great stories this morning. Get your hot cup of coffee ready, because you're going to need with us today is Dr. Peter Michalos, our in-house genius, a historian, soon-to-be author, a doctor, a person, our in-house genius. Uh, Dr. Uh, Peter Michalos, uh, tell us what do you think is important for people to learn today? Well, today we're going to talk about our second brain and an area that's 80% of our immune system. And it turns out that our, the intestines and our human gut turns out to be a very fascinating uh, area of research and treatment and uh, area where we're going to be getting a lot of things like future diagnosis and spotting diseases earlier and even treating certain disease, including uh, mental illness, has been identified to be associated with what's happening in our intestine. And it turns out that it's a home to a hundred trillion microorganisms, which is about 10 pounds of microbes that live and coexist with us. And at one time, some of them were infections, but they've learned to coexist with us and live in our intestinal system. And now with DNA sequencing, they've even found out there are 140,000 viral species that live in our gut. And it's almost hard to imagine, but some are good and some are bad. And basically what happens is, just so people understand the definitions, probiotics are the good bacteria that live and coexist with us. Prebiotics are the food that feed the good bacteria and sometimes the bad bacteria. And postbiotics are the products of that uh, digestion. And what happens is basically we now know that where you live and what you eat affects this blend of diverse bacteria and viruses that live with us. And I recently had a discussion with uh, Dr. Magdalena of Southampton, a top integrative medicine specialist. And basically uh, we talked about how we need to have 
a healthy diversity of bacteria for a healthy gut because 80% of our immune system we now know is in our intestine. Another fascinating recent finding is we have white blood cells that fight infection. And guess where 75% of them hang out? Around the intestinal tract. Because our intestine is like a border wall. And basically, it allows the good nutrients to go through and it tries to block the bad nutrients. When some of the bad things get through, that generates inflammation. And our immune system detects and it helps actually kill cancer cells. And these are, you know, new revelations. So a healthy gut is associated with less cancer. And several studies have showed that people with colon cancer, for example, have an unhealthy population of certain bacteria before a cancer even develops. So there's going to be tests developing when they test your microbiome, and they're going to be able to anticipate and tell you that you're higher risk for a cancer or, or of the colon, which is another fascinating area. And basically, we, you know, we're the hotel host for these bacteria, and uh, we provide them food for, from uh, our environment, but some of those foods can be good and bad. You know, the good bacteria actually help us digest food, and they actually help break down and eat food. And they also help break down vitamins and make them into absorbable forms so that they can enter our bloodstream. And the microbiome, another fascinating new finding is that it actually influences how people respond to immune therapy. People with a good diverse microbiome in their intestine respond better to chemotherapy and immune therapy. And there's one disease, for example, called C. diff, which you get sometimes from taking too too many antibiotics. Your colon gets inflamed and you can get life-threatening diarrhea. And they found that when they actually create poop pills where they take poop from healthy people and put it in a pill and make people with that disease take it, it actually can cure it and stop it and repopulate the intestine with good bacteria because when our large intestinal colon is inflamed, it can't reabsorb water, and that's what diarrhea is. And now that has become a standard of care to give people healthy poop pills to stop certain overgrowth of the bad bacteria. I didn't realize that. That, In other words, your stomach, is something wrong with your stomach, and it cannot absorb food, and that's the reason for diarrhea. It goes all all the way through without being absorbed uh, by your body uh, for nutrients. Right. It's the, in the large intestine is where we reabsorb all our water. So when we get traveler's diarrhea, for example, and you go to a certain countries and E. coli starts overgrowing in the walls of the large intestine, it causes it to swell and all the little tiny pores where we reabsorb water are blocked and that's what diarrhea is. And it's also a mechanism by which to try to flush and push things out. And now we in also other words, know get, other get, get rid of any bad stuff that's in your system and, and that's the purpose of diarrhea so when you take anti-diarrhea drugs then that's not really good for you well some of them it depends on what's in it for example pepto-bismol which has bismuth in it is used worldwide because the bismuth actually helps to kill some of the bad bacteria so it's it's a mixed bag but as long as you drink a lot of water that's why it's so important with travel's diarrhea you drink a lot of water because if you don't you'll end up passing out fainting or end up getting an iv in a hospital the other interesting thing that disrupts the microbiome are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs that are many over-the-counter drugs alcohol 
excess sugar, artificial sweeteners, and even tobacco smoke through unknown mechanism causes a suppression in the good bacteria. And we also know that some bacteria, uh, good bacteria can suppress binge eating behavior, but bad bacteria actually increase binge behavior. Why? Because the bad bacteria send signals to your brain, eat more, eat more sugar, eat more sugar, because they want to be fed some of the foods that are bad for us. So that balance is very interesting. If you notice in nature, there aren't many overweight animals. Is that balance that exists. I forget when, when we discussed, uh, it was, uh, I had a lot of phone calls, especially what we discussed, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday when you were on the 5 o'clock show, uh, that the, the sugar feeds the cancer. Yep, absolutely. Sugar feeds cancer. And that's one of the things that happens, why people lose their appetite when they have solid tumors and cancer. The theory is that in order for the body to starve the the, the tumor of, of sugar, it basically kills appetite. And that's so, another fascinating area. If you have lost your appetite, and this is just two friends talking amongst each other, uh, not, uh, not asking for a, doc- a doctorate. If you lost your appetite, you maybe you should go to the doctor or go get one of those tests that test for uh, all those cancers. Yeah, absolutely. The gallery test by Grail. You can check 50 cancers through one blood test and, uh, you know, definitely consult with your physician. But that sometimes is a warning sign. And in the future, doctors are going to be able to measure uh, microbial biomarkers, which may warn of impacting disease. And that's coming around in the future as well. And also a study was done with saccharin and sucralose that they changed the microbiome and they impacted glucose metabolism, resulting in weight gain and diabetes. And some of the things like a certain toothpaste and even lipstick have saccharin in it. And that also can mess up your microbiome. And there's a whole nother area of research to let our listeners know called the psychobiotic diet, which is in one study they fed people fermented foods that helped to feed the good bacteria. And those people had less stress and the gut brain uh, communicate. And basically after four weeks, they had reduced stress when they started eating things like oats and quinoa, onions, leeks, cabbage, bananas, kefir, kombucha, sauerkraut, lentils. Those are all foods that feed the good bacteria. And those people were taken off all sugary drinks and sweets and no artificial sweeteners. And their okay, happiness give it to level- me one- one more time. The stuff that does not feed tumors and the good stuff. You said lentils. I love lentils. What lentils, else? kefir, kombucha, sauerkraut, apples, bananas, onions, leeks, cabbage, oats, quinoa. Those are the good things. The bad ones are the high fructose corn syrup, the sugary drinks, the artificial sweeteners. And, you know, also uh, after antibiotics, you take too many. Are are we saying that the tumors, they love sugar, cancer loves sugar. It also loves artificial sweeteners? The artificial sweeteners disrupt the microbiome because basically when you put the artificial sweetener in your mouth, it tells the brain, oh, wow, there's sugar coming. Shoot out insulin, shoot out insulin. And then what happens is then your blood sugar starts dropping, but you actually didn't get the sugar. And also some of the good bacteria are exposed to it and they're not getting any energy out of it. So the whole microbiome system gets confused because it's like a fake out. It's like, here, I'm delivering you a pizza, but inside the pizza, it's a piece of plastic. It's not. 
understood. really food. But. Understood. Dr. Peter, we're, we're on overtime. Thank you for making people, I'll tell you, you're making us, making us all smarter, and hopefully we all live a little bit longer, and God bless you, and may God give you 100 years. Consult your doctor, of course, with all this information, and thanks for always getting the truth out on the Cats Roundtable. Uh, this is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. With us today is Dick Morris, and so many things are happening. He was an advisor to President Clinton, an advisor to President Trump. Dick Morris, a lot of things happening. Where the heck are we? Well, I think that I had a conversation with President Trump earlier today, and uh, he got on the phone and said, what do you think? And I said, you want to go up another 10 points? Uh, (laughs) I believe that this new indictment is going to absolutely blow up in their face and benefit him enormously. First of all, because it is so obvious that Biden didn't get indicted and Hillary didn't get indicted. And Hillary actually destroyed tens of thousands of documents. So the the, double standard here is so obvious. And um, Smith, in his statement, even alluded to it and said there's one standard for all. He wouldn't say that if he hadn't, in fact, violated that. I also think on a deeper level, Kat, that lawyers look at the law, but they don't look at what the public thinks. They want to know, did you violate the actual language of Section 2, subparagraph C, subparagraph Q, point A? Uh, Did you violate what that says? Is the, are the actions you took violative? I mean, did you hold on to a classified document you shouldn't have? Did you take it from the White House when you shouldn't have and so on? The people want to know, did you do anything wrong? Did you do anything that, that you shouldn't have done that's wrong? So, for example, the Stormy Daniels case, people can't wrap their heads around the idea that listing a payoff to her as a business expense as opposed to a campaign contribution is a big deal. And it's the whole basis of the prosecution case. And here, they're not, unless you can show that Trump showed secrets of American agents and agencies to foreign powers that were hostile. Okay, if you do that, then you got something. But merely that he happens to have some documents, which are in his library, and I gather from today's evidence in his shower as well, but and should be in the archives of the uh, Archive Bureau. I mean, that is not worth an indictment, certainly not of a former president, and especially not of a guy running against the current president so who hired the AG that hired you. So uh, I think this is absolutely going to blow up. But you know what I think won't blow up and will be very important and won't blow over is they finally have Joe Biden on a serious, serious bribery charge. Let me just walk through it. Joe Biden flew to Ukraine in 2013 in April. And five days after he got off the plane, a guy named Nico Zalewski was raided by the uh, by the Brits, and they seized $23 million in cash he had in his apartment. And, and one week later, Zolchevsky, who happens to be the head of Burisma, a corrupt energy company in Ukraine, hired not a lawyer and not some specialist to defend him, but hired Hunter Biden and put Hunter on the board of his company, even though he had no experience in the energy industry. And then, three years later, the charges against Solchevsky were dropped. Not prosecuted, just dropped. And despite having the money in their hands. And then an informant came forth and said, I have proof that this money, that Joe Biden received $5,000 from Zolchevsky to get him off on these charges. And he gave a document to the FBI swearing to that. 
and he said he was there when it happened. And uh, the FBI wasn't going to release it to the Comer Committee. Finally, now they basically have. And this is not going away. This is a red-handed major bribery scandal. And I think that may well force Biden out of office. And what I find mm. very coincidental, John, is as this story is breaking about Biden's school up. Well, I guess Trump uh, uh, President Trump shows up. President Trump shows up at the uh, the courthouse on Tuesday. So I, I guess by Tuesday we'll know what the heck is going on. Well, I think the important point, the other point I was making is that it's no coincidence that he got indicted the same day that this woman, this guy brought the evidence of Biden's bribe to the public. It's called stepping on the story. The issue is one story because it drowns out the coverage of the other. And indicting the president is sure to be front page every place. They yeah. won't be able to run the Biden bribe on the front page. Dick Morris, you're going to be on at noontime on WABCradio.com. What are you going to talk about at noontime today? <laughs> I think I'm going to talk about this, John. <laughs> I think Understood. a president to cover up the bribery that another president is worth talking about. Well, I've been saying that, uh, Dick Morris. You know what I said? I said the current president of the United States hires a special prosecutor to prosecute his uh, opponent in the current race. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's it doesn't make sense. I'll be listening to you at 12 noon on WABCradio.com, 770 on your dial. Thank you, Dick Morris. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To get an update, what the heck is going on in San Francisco? We have my good friend, John Chachis, who is very uh, close to uh, uh, things in San Francisco. And as a matter of fact, your, your daughter owns a big company there. Well, we actually, as a family, own the oldest continuously operating enterprise in San Francisco. It's a luxury retail company called Gumps. It's a beautiful store, and it's been there for 165 years. So tell me, what's going on? Well, the town is suffering, and it's suffering from bad policy and now the post-COVID hangover of having people not in their offices. I and mean, we've seen this, in, we're seeing this in all the major cities, but San Francisco worse than any, where people left during COVID, they were told leave, don't come to work. And once you've trained people not to come back into the city, you get a problem. Worse, when the city's fabric has been torn by bad policies, so you have homeless people, drug addicts, scary stuff, human waste on the street. We've seen a significant reduction in, unfortunately, the number of people that come to this beautiful city. Uh, the other day you told me that the first thing you have to do in the morning is hose down the sidewalks to get the human waste off the sidewalks. Yeah, it's, tra it's tragic. And it's gotten, you know, the, the police department's done a better job of making sure there are fewer bodies there in the morning. But all around the business district in San Francisco, the financial district in Union Square, where our store is, uh, each day you have to really, <laughs> you have to spend a lot of time making sure that your customer who's coming to buy something beautiful in your store doesn't step over needles and people and human waste. It's and, and over lunch the other day, uh, you said that uh, the difference between your your traffic, people coming into the store from the suburbs is almost zilch. You said that it's now 87% on, on the Internet and 13% in person. Because yeah, nobody wants to come to San Francisco. Well, we've pivoted the business, and thankfully we have a brand that people love that's sold in all 50 states in the country. But the volume of our visitors is way down, and 
you know, when we have a devoted, we, we love the city. It's been there for years and years. I love San Francisco. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the country. But when you look at the policies, one statistic just astonished me is the, the cellular telephone data traffic in the greater Bay Area is at about 32% of its peak from 2019. The fundamental thing that needs to happen in that city, as well as in New York, is putting people's butts back in their chairs in their offices. And until that happens, until policy changes so that we've induced businesses to bring people back to their offices, these cities can talk about it all day long. They are going to suffer. And San Francisco is at the high end of that suffering. And I understand that you're going to close the location and move it. Well, we're trying very hard not to close the location, but we are evaluating our options at the end of this year, going into next year. Uh, are there better places where our customer will still come and see us that doesn't have to struggle with the, the terrible things in San Francisco? We don't want to leave San Francisco. We want San Francisco to right itself. But until the until the mayor, you know, some of these policies are absurd. People literally walk into the Walgreens or the Nordstroms and just, you know, pack stuff off of the shelves into their bags and walk out. That kind of nonsense has to stop in order to make San Francisco viable. And the media needs to cover this. The media needs to be all over the mayor and the city supervisor and the governor actually doing something to correct it because it's just lousy urban policy and it's destroying the city a big hotel it was made big headlines the other day that they just closed down or they just stopped paying their mortgage they have a 700 million dollar mortgage or something like that it, it's a the biggest a big hilton it's a huge well, it's a it's a it's a reit uh, there are these uh, entities you know them so well that own lots of properties and i think they turned this property the hilton union square as well as the park 55 i think they just decided that operating those assets was never going to be profitable so they sent the keys to their lender it was i think it was a 750 million dollar mortgage that's quite shocking actually when one of the largest operating hotels on union square its owners basically give up but it's back to this basic problem and new york has this problem too as you know the statistics in cities 25% of people are showing up to work on Mondays, 76, 75% on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and 7% on Friday. That is a non-workable set of math. That doesn't work in New York, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco, or anybody else that lives with that kind of in-office performance. And so what's going to have to happen is good old-fashioned tax policy. We're going to need to give a tax cut to businesses that in their policy handbook require five days a week in your office. And it's going to increase the deficit in California. It's going to increase the budget deficit in New York. But until policy people actually put a tax incentive for businesses to change their requirements so people are back in their seats, in their offices, these cities are going to suffer. Now, uh, you're also uh, uh, in Republican uh uh, circles in politics. Tell us, uh, what do you think about what's happening with President Trump? I'm, I'm astonished this morning. Uh, on the one hand, my progressive friends on the left and who consume uh, media in cities like New York and L.A., they're cheering. They think it was a great victory. I think this 100% ensures Donald Trump will be the nominee for the Republican Party. I think that there's not a person in his base who doesn't think that what was just done is essentially political retribution by... Uh, and, and they're not going to change their vote. And almost everybody else that's in the race, when asked, well, what's, what about Trump? Well, maybe with the exception of Chris Christie, who will punch anybody in the face. Every other candidate is going gonna, is gonna to line up to defend him, and I think this puts Trump as the nominee. Thanks for listening to the Catch Roundtable. If you missed any interviews, go to thecatchroundtable.com or go to wabcradio.com. Go to the podcast. Get those segments that you missed. Have a nice Sunday.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 